TheLinguist.com, the power of language. Okay, so now if we're talking about the ritualistic nature of our democracy, in other words, it's not real democracy, it's kind of a, a game or a, a, a struggle of a different nature, one of the things that I've also heard you say is that the, the, the greatest sort of, the most vulnerable point in our whole democratic uh, democratic process is the selection of the candidate. And I and if I if if I take what you're saying now, the fact is that so few people are members of political parties. Therefore, so few people make the decision as to who is going to be the candidate that it it sort of opens the door for people like the ones you mentioned here who can swing because of their ethnic affiliation a great group of people to all of a sudden come and and sort of swamp uh, a riding association and and uh, select the candidate. Is that the point, or is there? And and how how big a part is that of your whole concern about the ritualistic nature of our democracy? Well, that is the point, and it's not just ethnic affiliation. I mean, in the certain, it depends on what constituency you're in. If you're in certain major urban constituencies in places like Vancouver and Toronto, we've seen a fair bit of that sort of thing. But if you're in rural constituencies in different parts of the country, it could be religious affiliation. I once ran a nominating meeting for the Conservative Party in the early, mid-1980s rather, in the, the constituency of East Fraser Valley, centered on Chilliwack. There were seven candidates. Um, over 2,800 people came out to vote, and we had uh, a, a very, very interesting contest. But the, the major candidates were backed by various different fundamentalist churches, um, so, you know, even your bowling team, it depends on the right. I mean, if we're, right now we're in the, I like to refer to the political ostracycle, cycle, and politicians go into heat every four years. And we're, we're in that situation now. We know uh, because BC now has a fixed election date, the being May 17th coming up, and so people are, are getting nominated. And you're seeing uh, nominations turning on as few as uh, 10 or 20 votes, less than 200 people are coming out to these meetings. Um, and this is in a, a typical provincial constituency of 35,000 people, um, which would mean probably 20,000 or so electors, but less than 200 people are making a decision as to who will be one of the candidates. And in many cases, it's a foregone conclusion that a certain party will win. For instance, here in West Vancouver, the riding that we're talking about, uh, talking in rather, um, there's no doubt that the person that has the liberal nomination will be elected to the legislature. So someone simply has to win the nomination. Um, that could be, you know, getting out 50 people, and you've got a ticket to the legislature. Um, now, that's only one of the pathologies. Uh, there are actually, I seem to think, you know, mentioned three pathologies. But there's also three pathologies to the component of ritualistic democracy. There's the parliamentary aspect, and uh, unlike the Westminster Parliament, we have basically allowed a situation to grow whereby we democratically elect a dictator every uh, so many years. In Westminster, I mean, even the Iron Lady, Mrs. Thatcher, one of the most dominant politicians of the 20th century, was defeated on at least 22 major government bills during the 11 years that she was prime minister, and ultimately uh, she was thrown out of office by her own caucus because the individual MPs under that system have a lot more clout. The second component is the electoral system itself. We're one of only three countries, the other two being Great Britain and the United States, that still use the first-past-the-post electoral system. And what that system means is uh, you only have to get one vote more than the next candidate to be elected. So in our country, where we 
almost always have at least three or more candidates in a campaign, uh, you get situations where candidates are elected with less than 40%, sometimes close to only 30% of the vote. So many people feel that their vote has essentially been wasted. Um, Right now, in this province, there is uh, going to be a referendum on that. The uh, government, to its credit, appointed a citizens' assembly, which decided that uh, it would recommend something called the single transferable vote, a derivative of proportional representation, uh, to go to referendum at the time of the next provincial election. Uh, may well be that the people uh, will choose to try a new system. We had a system, a different system in this province for a few years in the late 40s and early 50s, and then a party came to power and for its own perceived partisan advantage threw out the system and went back to first past the post. Um, the third aspect is what we've been talking about before in terms of the, the what I call the intra-party function. And that's maybe the weakest link in our democracy, where really very, very few people participate. Um, They're determining the outcome of the elections before the citizens themselves really get a chance to participate. Uh, You say they determine the outcome of the election before the citizens participate. How, How do you mean? Well, as I said earlier, depending on the constituency, in British Columbia, where we're very partisan and very polarized, many constituencies... I mean, the last election was an aberration where one party took all but two seats. Typically, there are many seats in British Columbia where it's pretty well a foregone conclusion that a liberal candidate, formerly a social credit candidate, or, on the other hand, a new Democratic candidate will be elected. The key simply is to get the nomination of that party. And as I said earlier, you can do that by bringing in relatively few people. Now, because the people have seen this, and because seats in the legislature are desirable not so much for your pay and perks and pension, but for what you can do for your buddies and therefore turn into your advantage later. Um, we have many people seeking these seats. And in the case of ethnic groups, um, you know, many of whom, for, take the Indo-Canadians, for instance, they've come from a country which has British parliamentary democracy that has over a billion people. Uh, you have to fight and be a smart and tough guy to survive in a country with that many people. They're, and I give them full credit. They come here and they say, well, we should participate in politics. And that's what they're doing. And so uh, the rest of us better smarten up as well. TheLinguist.com, the power of language.